0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're tuning in from. I'm John Brandt, Director of Professional Practices and Innovation here at ISACA, and this is Cyberprose. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to have my guest, Naomi Buckwalter, on our uh, podcast again today. She recently opined on burnout, right, in a, in a blog post t- titled, Burned Out InfoSec Professional, Sound the Alarm. For those of you that may not know who Naomi is, and I find that hard to believe, but she is one of the more outspoken leaders in the industry and absolute pleasure. I love outspoken people who are having and forcing the hard conversations. Naomi, welcome.
1: Thanks, John. It's great to be here again. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. We're gonna have a good time here. So in preparing for this conversation, I reread your article. You know you've written for us a few times now and it actually took me back to a few months earlier in the year you had actually written a blog on the five memes and number five actually is relevant to this one right where it's, it's the individual riding the bicycle with the stick right so the self-imposed injury right and we wonder why we're uh, we're burned out so why don't we let's open and you talk about what are some reasons for burnout in the industry
1: Oh, man. Well, let me preface this by saying, you know that article I wrote for you, John? I was actually burned out while I was writing that article. It took me so much longer than I originally intended. I'm like, this will be easy. I'll just copy and paste people's quotes. Boom, you got an article. It took me so much longer because I was just literally like, I just have to get this done. I just have to get this done. And I kept emailing you, John. I'm not going to have this done by Thursday. I mean, Sunday, I mean, Monday, I mean, Wednesday. And so like, I just kept dragging and dragging. It's because I was burned out. And it was just, it's like the most ironic part of it is when I was writing the thing on burnout. I'm like, yeah, I'm also burned out. Should I write that in the in a sentence somewhere? But that, anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I, I think it's just so pervasive in our industry today. We are overworked. We are so like given so much responsibility in our day-to-day. And we're on the hook for like all the breaches and all the bad things that could happen in terms of cybersecurity. And we're feeling it. Uh, We are feeling it. I'm feeling it. I mean, I've been burned out a few times now. Uh, The people that I'm talking to on the day-to-day basis, they're burned out. Uh, I know for a fact, you know, my team members might be burned out too. I don't want to give them any shout outs or anything, but they know who they are because we've had these conversations. And um, it is pervasive in our industry and, and it really comes down to too much to do and too little time to do it or too few people to do it with.
0: So let me ask you something. So, we, you know, we've been writing about the dooming gloom of not having enough people for a long time. Right. And, and you're familiar with, with the work that ISACA is doing here. And we continue to try to, to drill down into this to be fair, right? And we, and we understand that we don't have enough people to go around, but do you think that we are more susceptible now? It, and I, and I frame that in the context. Now we're three years into this, the, the, COVID pandemic now, possibly it's you know, considered an endemic. And we know that a lot of different occupations are feeling the hurt. The so do you think we're more susceptible than others right now? If so, why?
1: Hmm. Well, I'm not in any other industry, so I can't really tell you. But from my little bubble in the corner of the cybersecurity industry, I can tell you that it does seem like a lot more people than ever are burned out, or they're just being more vocal about it on social media. Now, I've seen the studies, I've read the news articles, and it really is uh, kind of new, not just from COVID, but the remote work thing that's happening over the past few years that has just completely shattered any norms of like work-life balance because you're here working and then you're also at the same place where you're relaxing and eating and all this other stuff so you it's hard for your brain to separate the two like the work-life balance it just bleeds into one giant work bubble and the American work ethic and ethos, and you know this because you're one of them, but uh, we're just expected to be online and to work and you never take vacations. And that and we're starting to feel that because we're just working remotely, working all day, every single day, you know, being on call 24-7, 365. And uh, cybersecurity, I think, has that very interesting twist to the thing because, yeah, we, we also care about getting breached and, and, and solving insecurity issues that we have. And so we are constantly stressed out about that. So are we a little different from other industries? I think so, just because of the amount of stress that we put on ourselves sometimes but then also the expectations from our leaders and our managers you know to keep our companies secure and our data secure but then again that's take out with a hefty dose of salt because I'm not in any other industries I really only know about cybersecurity but from what I can tell just that remote that push to remote has helped like really uh, not helped us actually has really hurt us in terms of work life balance and therefore caused the additional stress and burnout that we're seeing today
0: you know, I'd, I'd agree a lot with that, and I've got the conversations I have even with my team, right? And we're not, quote unquote, in an operational role right now. You know, the, the team that I lead are respect are responsible for leading their practice areas and in responsive to members that are you know span everything from audit all the way to emerging technologies and everything in between. So it does beg the question, right? Is what are companies? doing then, right? Because at the end of the day, there's these expectations and we see a lot of this, right? The the great resignation, right? Uh, Employees just, they're fed up and they're rolling out and retention challenges have been high for so long anyway. you know. And one of the things I advocate for is like, it's not just about the money, right? Which largely ties into some of what uh, you're talking about because there's no time to really unplug. And I think that especially for your smaller teams, they're even more disadvantaged. And again, that expectation that you're kind of always online because you're not in the office, that becomes very dangerous, right? And, and, you know, not only for those of us, but then others. And then I guess from your vantage point, when we talk about, you know, one of the things I look back over my career and we always advocate, right? Like businesses need to understand what normal is. And the pandemic really threw that out the window, right? Because whereas maybe, you know, your company was only, was largely an eight to five. And now all of a sudden you have people working around the clock. How do you think that's influencing it? And, and you know, and for, from what you're doing right now, is that potentially what's contributing to more incidents? Just being online all the time, or having to work all the time, or expected to well, work. Well, I think all being online and, and not knowing what normal is, right? Because uh. it, you know, think about it. Like it used to be, like you know, when you were doing your discovery, you were looking for for indicators of abnormality, right? Like so, somebody signing online late night might have been a, a red flag in the past. I can tell you, working alongside my colleagues. I see people online all hours of the day anymore. So I think that, it, you know, to put on the the operational hat, I think it, it becomes that much more challenging mm-hmm. to, to discern what's yeah, real. Yeah, or they're working time. from
1: different areas of the world. You know, people working right. long vacations or work vacations out over in Tahiti uh, and they're logging in from Mexico, right, and all these places. And you're just like, what? Uh, I agree with that. I think the normal has changed. It's shifted a little bit. The Overton window and conversations on what normal is has changed. And that is uh, an interesting conundrum that we have because we do want to understand what normal looks like in our traffic and our activities and all the things for operational reasons. But we also want to normalize conversations on like what healthy looks like. So that work-life balance conversation doesn't happen very often, at least in my experience. We don't talk about what is expected from each other and from our customers, from our managers. We don't push back when somebody asks us to work or take over a shift or on-call, right? Like there's these conversations that need to really happen for us to start understanding what healthy is and what unhealthy is. Cause right now I can tell you right now, John, like it's pretty unhealthy out there. People are always online. They feel stressed out. They feel that they're, um, you know, accountable for this stuff and responsible for this work, but you know, what can I say? Like, you you, you aren't a machine. You cannot do this 24-7. You're going to burn out.
0: No, you're absolutely right there. And, and, I, and I don't know that there's any easy answers there other than the fact, you know, what it highlights even more is the criticality of soft skills that continues to come up. So not only in your ability to, for the industry practitioners to talk to the business leaders, talk to the customers, talk to each other, but also now... Because what I'm hearing, right, is we're now more than ever, we're blurring these professional and personal boundaries. When I was on active duty and led a lot of people, like at the end of the day, if you, you know, the mantra was, if you take care of people, they'll take care of you. And in my decades since I hung up the uniform, boy, that sentiment doesn't carry very far in the corporate world. But I, I think it needs to, right, at the end of the day, and not everybody, nor is every culture comfortable having some of those conversations too, because they really kind of, for some people, they're an open book and I, I'll be the first one to be like, listen, I'm stressed the heck out, right? Like just, I got to unplug for a little bit. Others will just keep grinding and, and they're of the mindset, hey, I don't want to open up that part of my world to you. I'm here in a transactional capacity. I do a task, you pay me a salary, I don't want to know anything.
1: that works and i hear this thing called quiet quitting is making its way through the news and social media and it's a trend now right quiet quitting being i'm just going to do what i'm paid for nothing more nothing less and uh, you pay me a salary and we are trading products and the product being my labor right like (laughs) for for a certain amount to an extent i agree with that like that is the healthy conversation that i'd love to see normalized here at least in the states where the work ethic is more towards that puritan like old school you need to work hard and grind otherwise you are nothing right your identity is tied to your work kind of thing uh i would love to see a shift to that i know other areas of the world certainly europe is uh, not tying their identity to their job places like china are more and more so too where they have that lying flat kind of thing that that whole trend it's the same idea we are tired we are burned out we're figuring out what really what life is all about, like why why we're here and why we exist. Like, is it to grind and make money or is it to actually enjoy life in the time that we have, right? We are are not here for very long. So we might as well take the paycheck, uh, work nine to five, and then take the weekends off. However, and I will say this, security is just so much harder to do that, right? Because you take the time off, but that work is waiting for you when you get back. And I know that's not anything special to security. I'm pretty sure there's other you know other jobs within the company that uh, not security jobs but other jobs that also have the same problem but with security it's like alerts you know things that you don't want to miss so things that might have happened you don't want an incident to go undiscovered for a long time so you have to go backtrack and look at that stuff at least operationally for people who don't do security operations that you still have projects to keep going and moving forward and people are waiting on you for answers and resources right so there's plenty of things where security needs to be doing. Continuously, that is causing the burnout and the stress and the the ability to not unplug. At least in my opinion.
0: So, protection-oriented industries, you're absolutely right, and it, and it takes a certain kind of mindset, right? Like as there is with different occupations too, and I and I think what's one of the things that concerns me, looking at how we're going to continue to source human capital for this you know and if you look at anything that's protection oriented out there from any kind of first responder to the physical security world like it seems like and again just one you know my opinion for what that matters like the tolerance is a and the appetite to do that type of work is increasingly deep just lessening year after year right now and i don't know that there's any easy solution to that other than We have to find a way to get creative in in how we're doing this and potentially break the model of how we we staff this, right? I think back to, again, if we look at the fact that largely, especially if you're in e-commerce, there is no, you don't necessarily close the doors anymore, right? Like there isn't, you don't have, if you're not just brick and mortar, you've got a persistent presence. So does that really lend itself to, to shift work. And again, what what's the appetite of people out there to do that? In my, you know, in my former career, I loved shift work. I loved working nights because I had all day to do everything and it was great because you rarely got called in after time. And then when you went to day work, it was like, oh yeah, that's so great. And then it was like, oh no, you day workers work a lot more than I do. <laughs> right. And I think that's that <laughs> the the, the battle where we're in, but you highlighted in your blog some really, you know, the quotes from different people, and there was a couple in particular, you know, that really stood out. One was about buying into the culture, right? And in earlier this um, this year, with our 2022 State of Cybersecurity Report, I had found some uh, research by a PwC, and they described this four worlds of work. And I really saw that as, as pivotal and there was some alignment to what one individual had written and you, and you captured in the blog where it becomes a little bit, I think, more natural if your personal values and the corporate values are aligned, right? And, and everything from a, from a whether you're entrepreneurial, whether you're capitalist, whether you're green, right? If you were to dig into that, and we don't do that for any occupation, right? And I think that could actually, it could help deter some problems down the road. Because now all of a sudden, if that's the corporate culture, and then that's how, you know, the individuals who work there are largely aligned instead of it treating it just as, oh, your cybersecurity, it might actually kind of help frame the conversations a little bit easier because, it's shared values. And then you could kind of tweak how you approach it. Cause I'm sure within your career, and I've heard it from a lot of people and I've personally encountered it. It's like, this shouldn't be this hard for you to quote unquote, get it right.
1: I agree to a certain extent that passion and the alignment of your values are going to get you so far, at least in terms of not having to burn out. So, but not everyone's going to have a company like that. Some people just work for a Giant behemoth, and they don't know anyone other than their immediate teammates and their manager, right? They are just a number, and they don't feel as aligned as, say, somebody in a smaller company who has that benefit of having their personal values aligned with the core values of the company, which is very nice. However, in general, the industry actually has that wonderful benefit of we are doing the right thing, we're on the good side, we're the good guys. So we are fighting cybercrime, we are trying to help the world, we're trying to do the right thing. So I think in terms of aligning any personal value, at least to a core value like that, will help immensely. However, I know that can only go so far, right? Sometimes I do work just for the paycheck. I will say, tell you that, John, because burning out or just – Aligning myself to passion and and working for the passion isn't enough. Some days, like, some days I'm just like, fuck this, I am just here for the paycheck, and that is good enough for me. And you know what? Other times, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this totally because I want to help the world and change the world, and blah, blah, blah. But like, it really just depends on the day, honestly. I'm sure that's true for a lot of us. And we're human, we're going to have those moments. We can't work again. We're not robots. We're not going to go in and be like, I'm here just for the passion. I'm just here for the mission. And like, literally, that. Is the dumbest thing and like i'm sorry if somebody's doing it just for the passion you are going to hit that wall so hard you're going to wake up one day you're going to you're going to find yourself just sitting up and be like what have i been doing i've been aligning with passion and now i have no passion what am i doing now right like so you're going to lose that sense of identity or that control over your life where you want to make a difference and you know you want to make a difference, but now you're not seeing that difference being made. So that whole worldview is now shattered for you. And so now you are walking around like a zombie thinking like, okay, I have this skill set and I don't really know if I want to continue in cybersecurity because I don't align with the mission anymore or I just don't see the impact that I'm having, right, or that I want to have. And that's how we lose people. And we, we lose people left and right. Like in the survey that the article was written about, it was something like 75 or 65% of the people who uh, – took the survey are actually looking to leave cybersecurity within the next couple of years, right? Like that is scary to me out of the... 500 or so people who took the survey, 65% of them are like, yeah, I feel like leaving the entire industry in, in less than a year. And I'm just like, well, that's horrible. Like we just need more people. We don't need less people. And that's part of the problem. Like we feel so trapped in our jobs. Like we're, we're, we've got those golden handcuffs. I don't know how you feel, John, but like, you're, you're here for the paycheck sometimes, you're here for the mission sometimes, and you feel like you're in a good position, but at any one of those moments where one of those things kind of drops and now you're just holding onto the bag and you're just like, oh, this isn't enough for me, right? I more, then we're feeling that as an industry. A lot of us are um, looking elsewhere. You're just like, I'm gonna get out of cybersecurity altogether. I'm just gonna live out on a farm and grow beets. You know, I actually know somebody who did that and, and is now raising horses. So it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, we need everybody. And if we can have more people in cybersecurity, that'd be great because that helps us not burn out as an industry. I actually didn't answer your question. I don't know what it was.
0: You totally did. Um- <laughs> awesome. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack in all that right and you look at for first and foremost like to your point like we are human we are built for uh you know relationships of all sorts i can attest to this as can any service member who who did any kind of amount of time i know a lot of first responders are in the same camp it's so easy to lose your identity in chasing the purpose right and then then as we hopefully mature over time and we evolve and sometimes there's a, it'll result in internal conflict, right? Where your external stressors and what you really want to do are just, they're colliding. And I think that's the thing that really, I really took away from your article was we already have substantive mental health challenges to begin with. And now, you know, this is real. And then we have, you know, people who they've got families, they've got livelihoods, and then there's these other pressures. And and at the end of the day, like, and that ends up being an individual decision, which way they end up levitating, whether they're just going to pull in and say, you know what, I'm done, or potentially they choose, you know, more sadly than not that chase the job over the other things and to your point we're only on this earth for a fixed amount of time and and here in in united states in particular we're probably the worst offenders of work-life balance so like we don't have it right but we're all about choice too and i think this is one of the things like i get Everything that and I and I largely agree with everything you're you're saying, but at the end of the day, like what we're seeing here is this crossroads of people making decisions that best suit themselves, which I'm a big fan of, but the greater industry is gonna pay the price. So besides the fact that potentially have people walking away, what do you think that this burnout is gonna, what does it mean for the future, besides potentially, you know, not having our more seasoned people?
1: Yeah I, you know, I'm going to make a call right here. I think we're losing the war on cybercrime. I think you might agree with that. We're going to lose so many more people in the future that we can't backfill fast enough. Not only that, we don't have the ranks, the junior ranks to fill our shoes in, in the first place. So I think in the near future, give it 10, 15, 20 years. I think companies are going to start realizing this, and they're only going to find like the anomalies like you had mentioned earlier. We're going to understand what baseline looks like. We want to see what normal looks like on every day, and we're just going to fight the fires as they come up. And I really think that's what's going to happen. There's going to be less of the whole blue teaming and being, uh, you know, the protect aspect of the cybersecurity framework, right? And then you're just going to just put out fires, incidents, and I think that's what our industry is going to end up doing. Is like a lot more people are going to be doing security as, but not as a full time job. It's going to be shared, a shared responsibility across the developers, engineers, the operations people, leadership, right? They're going to start taking on more of that, and it's not going to be done as well as it is today. So I will say. I am going to put my stake in the ground. 15, 20 years, we're going to see a major shift in the industry where the firefighters uh, and less of the builders and constructors that we have today, and they're just going to take a look at uh, you know anomalies that exist uh, every day and just f- fight those instead of uh, trying to to do all the prevention things that we're doing now. So anyway, putting that stake in the ground, what do you think?
0: You know, it's an interest it's an interesting stake in the ground. And I, and I, sadly, I don't even think it's 10 to 15 years down the line personally. Okay. Um, what is most concerning, right? Cause on one hand, we see the big pivot towards risk-based security, huge fan, right. In, in better decision-making, but with what you describe, if that holds true, it becomes a very apathetic way of doing business. Right. And if the designers of all sorts don't do a better job, then we can never have and you know granted you can't have privacy without security right like at the end of the day and we can make that argument all day long that we're probably not going to ever get to any real point here in in where we live because data is monetized at the end of the day like it's a it's a very much a commodity that is you know highly sought after so Oftentimes, what frustrates me about this industry is I feel like we've often just kind of tried to reinvent the wheel and we've gone it alone. And we look at like some of what's happening, you know, something like awareness training, right? And only of late have we really seen a call for the human psychology part of it, right? How do you shape behavior? And I think with what you described, the thing that immediately came to my mind is, Do we need some studies out there on, and again, against other protection oriented occupations, right, because again, we're not, we might be the newest to the table, but there's a lot of commonality, right? I think you would agree there. It's just a different, sort of different tools and a different thing that we're protecting at at sorts. But without doing that, I think we're missing the mark, right, and and to your point, we're very much very reactive, very much in in firefighting mode. And that's going to be worst case because I think some of us have been holding out that we're finally kind of turning the page.
1: No, I don't think so. I'm, uh, you're more pessimistic than me, apparently. But yeah, I think in 10, 15, 20 years, there's going to be so few of us in the industry that can actually do the work uh, that in terms of like really building a security program. I think we're just going to be left with people fighting fires and I think companies are going to be okay with that because it's a lo- we're losing like it's a losing proposition like there's just so much out there and it feels like uh, you're just overwhelmed at times and I think that's causing the burnout again it really is and so I think companies are just going to wise up and be like you know we can't block everything so we're just going to fight the fires as they happen and and we're okay with that right like we're going to block exfiltration as much as possible and protect as much data as possible so we don't have to pay any fines and uh you know people's data is going to get stolen anyway so we're just gonna we're gonna try to protect it as well as as good as possible and then as you know things happen we're just going to throw people at it like that's i think that's what's going to happen because we're just going to have fewer people in the industry that really have that veteran experience that you know that you actually need to in order to do this well and and that's it I think I think that <laughs> think cover I think governments and uh, corporate entities and nonprofits. I think uh, honestly maybe I'm just in that space right now really pessimistic John but I think they're going to give up I really do I hope that's not true I really hope because I'm still a citizen of this world I would love to see my data protected and the future of my children safe right but I don't know I don't know I'm at that point where I'm like John
0: I don't know man i don't know but you keep it real and that's what we need to absolutely have these conversations and you know because we look at you know there's a lot of folks you know subscribe to think well governments need to be doing more we need more regulation well with what you described, and, and and I'm not saying that regulations aren't helpful and to set the, the minimum standard, but at the end of the day, you can't legislate morality and bad people are gonna do bad things. Like we we know that. But at the end of the day, the regulatory, measures and levers that we put in place really mostly disadvantage they often disadvantage the smaller companies and again there's no one size fits all we we are in an occupation that is global in nature but at least again here in the united states small business is a large section of it and and, you know and we can talk we can have conversation about conversation about teaming and partnering and, and their criticality and all this stuff but we're only as good as our weakest link. And We definitely have a long road ahead of us. So how can we, as leaders, leaders such as yourself, right, and others that are out there, what can we do? How do you combat it?
1: How do we combat the burnout or in the 10, 15, 20 years when we're all
0: extinct? Well, that, 10, let's, let's worry about the immediate, the burnout, right? Because. <laughs>
1: All right. So th- this is something I love to do Like as a leader. I just like to set expectations with my team. If you aren't doing this with your team, uh, please consider doing it just because it really, it's really helpful. So what I do is I sit down with each direct report. I go through their job description line by line, every single bullet. I say, this is what I expect from you. This is what the success looks like for this one bullet. Uh, and then we align all their work that they're currently doing to the job description. And if there's nothing That they're, if there's something that they're doing that isn't aligned directly to their job description, like, Maybe consider either telling them that it's not their job because maybe it isn't, or at least modifying their job description so they understand it's their, expe- their expected work, that you expect that work from them. And that's absolutely okay. That's your prerogative as a manager. But have that expectation meeting and set those expectations early on with your direct reports at least twice a year, you know, semi-annual. So have those expectations just because the team member is going to understand exactly what's expected of them and they can work their day around that, instead of just having this nebulous idea of what is expected of them, and they don't understand what success might look like, they're going to keep reaching for something that they don't know the end goal for. So if they're continuously doing that, they are going to burn out because they haven't been given that goal. And this really works well, even from the junior all the way to the senior level folks. For the senior level folks, you're going to have more conversations like, hey, I need you to own this initiative or make sure this program and project runs successfully, right? Like that's okay too, if it's a longer term thing, but they at least understand what's expected of them. And that is such a huge, huge thing when it comes to uh, reducing burnout or the possibility of burnout. That's for sure one thing. Another thing is just normalizing the conversation and be like, hey, nine to five eight to six, whatever normal looks like in your company, you want to reinforce that. Say as a leader, be like, I... Want to keep the business hours the way it is, business hours. We are covered in terms of on-call shift. We're going to have shift work, blah, 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 for, for, for stuff that requires it. But for everything else, like I don't, I don't want you to be online after a certain hour. I don't want you to be working on the weekends. And then you do that yourself as a leader. Make sure you're not answering emails at 2 a.m. or being on Slack until 11 p.m. Like Make sure your team sees that because if they see the opposite and they see you working that late or working on the weekends, they're going to think that that's normal. And that, that's what you want to do and what you want to see from them. And that just contributes to the burnout so badly, John, I will tell you. And I know this from personal experience. I mean, I used to see my managers online at like, you know, two in the morning. I'd be slacking them, right, just to make sure that they knew I was working hard. But man, that just makes you burn out so much faster.
0: You know, you know, and it all boils down to taking care of your people. Like the first part of it, what you describe, what scope creep is so real in our industry, right? Like at the end of the day, and and and, and I'd say I, I would go as far to say it happens in a lot of jobs, and it's frustrating. And that's one of the things I always want to make sure, because first and foremost, if you're acknowledging it, then you're also seen as an advocate for them to make sure that you know, not only is it, do you need to adjust the job description, but is there, is there a conversation about compensation, right? And I think what, what I hear from you in, in all studies up to now have really largely supported is at the end of the day, and I'm not, you know, dismissing the burnout component because it's so important, but there are a lot of people that are gonna tolerate a lot more stress, strife, BS, if they like their manager. Right, like are you going the extra mile for your people right and we you're you're, you're absolutely correct we have a lot of flexibility and discretion as managers and, and leaders to make sure that uh that we're taking care of their folks and you know and when you look at retention challenges to begin with listen salaries can only continue to go so high and that's one of the things that you know we've not really done a good job in that and i understand the whole supply and demand thing but then you're also disadvantaging existing staff, right? And that's something that I really am very mindful of because it's not right. You know, cause just because you can doesn't mean you should. All of these things and, you know, making sure to your point, listen, in some job work that's really very much rigid, time oriented, you got deadlines. Okay, that's cool. Other stuff where it's a little bit more methodic, something comes up. I don't care as long as you get your work done right? What works for you and that balance for them? Because life happens, right? Like all of our life events that have do not happen from 6 p.m. until 8 the next morning. You know that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and things happen that are bad. And we're in the middle of a freaking pandemic. And it's scary out there. And the whole climate change thing, man, if you believe in that stuff, I feel bad for you. I also believe in it, so I feel bad for me. But the whole like, the world is like falling apart sometimes, it feels like, right? But then you, you take a deep breath. You look walk outside and you look, nature is beautiful. Everyone's being kind to each other. Okay, actually, life isn't that bad, right? So get back in there and do your work. But in terms of having those conversations with your team members, it starts as a leader. Like you said, John, as a leader, you should be having those conversations. You should be setting expectations, telling people what success looks like in terms of like a normal workday instead of just be like, I need you to work 12 hours a day. I expect you to work six hours, six days a week. Like that, that is not reasonable. And you're just hurting yourself because your team members aren't going to be producing at the level that you want them to. So do yourself a favor and like help your teammates out. Tell them that it's okay to just work what you're expected from them, what's expected of them in the amount of time that they're given to work because they're only paid. X number of uh, hours a week. So set that expectation with them, and they're going to appreciate that. And then they're going to do great work for you. And again, like you said, John, you're going to go the extra mile for a manager that you actually care about. That is so true. I mean, I can name. I I think I've had like 14 or 15 managers by this time in my career. I can name only one or two of them that I would go the extra mile for, and it's because they actually cared about my work-life balance and my mental health. So those are the people I would just, you know, follow around and and work for. And I could tell you the two or three that I would never, ever work for again, right? Because they were just so exploitative and abusive of my time and energy. And I expect other people are going to feel the same way.
0: So that's a great segue to, for those individuals that might be in those situations, what can they do?
1: Hmm. So you need to push back too. Like there's uh, the whole like Puritan work ethic, like we had mentioned. You have to set the expectation also. So if you are working... 12 hours a day, six days a week. That's on you. You can, you can stop that. You can control that. Right. You just start not doing that. You can say, Hey, I've been working extra hours and you know, I, I, I really can't sustain this. Just have a conversation with your leader and just say like, I probably just set the expectation wrong, but let's just renormalize this thing. Right. And say, I'm going to work from this time to this time, expect me online from this time to this time I'll be available when and when right. Like set that expectation early, push back on like unreasonable things if your manager is asking for. Now, if you don't feel safe doing that, right, maybe the political climate isn't in your favor. You just don't have the standing within your company. I'm, I'm sure that's true. Sometimes you have two legs. You can walk out that job. You can find another one. If you're in security, you know, you can find another job very quickly. You know that, right? So if you're listening to this and you feel trapped, you're not, it's all in your head. Uh, Pick yourself up, wipe off your face, go get another job. If you, if the one that you have right now exploiting you is taking advantage of you because you know it, everyone knows it, get out of there and and find a job that makes you happy and do work that keeps you sane and uh, has that work-life balance that you always wanted. Because again, we're only on this earth for like, what, 80 something years. Actually, it's declined over the past couple of years, right? Do you see that, John? Like our life, expect- our life expectancy is like six years less than it was two years ago. My God.
0: So this morning, matter of fact, I was listening to the radio and they were talking about the average amount of time that we're happy for anything happening in our life is between four hours and nine minutes in, four, in about four and a half hours. So to your point, right, like that's pretty disturbing, right? Like so on average, right. And in the, the highest number, the four hours, I think it was 36 minutes. They'd said was when you were spending time with family that's not a very long shelf life. And if you're not spending enough time with them, then it's very easy to get to that point, uh, you know, where you're just miserable, right? At the end of the day, and that that affects our work, that affects our professional relationships, it affects your home life, and and all those things. I love what you said about, you've got opportunity out in the industry. And I think that's something that often gets lost is, Listen. At the end of the day, we can only change things within our control, right? Mm-hmm. Your your in your respective sphere of influence. And if we think back to when we first started working, it was very small. Obviously, as we come up through the proverbial ranks, you get a little bit more, you know, influence. But everybody's got a cap. So you get to a point in where you just might have to decide. Okay, I've done. All that I can, it's time for me to go look elsewhere. And if we look at trends that are out there with the shift from lifelong learning to lifelong employability, it really puts the onus on the individual to take control of their own livelihood, their happiness, and and everything. At the end of the day, I'm not advocating that everybody go quit their job tomorrow because that would be absolutely horrific. But if you're also in a position, a company is losing a lot of people, I also believe, like, listen where there's smoke there's fire if you're having a lot of turnover what is causing that like there's a responsibility by the leadership to kind of look at the climate and are you expecting people to work 80 hours a week on a 40 hour based salary that's not right either and i think that these are some of these conversations we need to continue to force so for all you young folks out there or new to the profession because i don't want to just say young because there's a lot of folks that have You know, they saw the opportunity to come into this industry. You heard it firsthand from Naomi herself is giving you some tips and tricks and advice, things to to force the conversation, look out for yourself. I think you would probably second me in saying that mentors outside of your potential company, right? And networking is a good thing. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how I find most of my jobs. I think like all of my jobs, except for one, has come through people. And um, that's exactly right. Like uh, make friends out there. You always want to work on those soft skills and communications. going to take you a long way. Uh, Be nice. Be kind. Understand that people have knowledge and experiences that you might not have. And if you bring that humility to the table every time, you're going to get the job. So... Uh, that's definitely one thing. Now, I will say, sorry, if I like insulted anyone, if I said that it is easy to get a job in the industry. No, it's not that easy if you're just starting out. So I want to make sure I'm setting that expectation with you all. Uh, but if you are finding yourself in that position, that you are currently, uh, you know, mid senior, senior level person, and you're burned out, uh, you know that you have other options. And you can also walk and you can go to a place that actually respects your time and your work life balance and your mental health
0: expectation management is absolutely important there right we see that and i'm so happy that you actually brought up that point because we've really lo- done a lot uh, we've largely done a disservice to a lot of individuals who have paid a lot of money potentially spent a lot of time to attain to attain academic educational training goals to be then left on the sidelines right and, and we bear that responsibility as an industry i follow you on social media i know you're calling it out i know some others that i follow I commend you for the work you're doing, but it's going to take a village because our one-off efforts are simply not scalable. So I want to thank Naomi again for joining us. Awesome. Thanks, John. It was a great conversation. Thanks, Naomi. Again, I'm John Brand. This is Cyberprose. Thanks for tuning in.